Thank you, Father. You are so faithful and we bless you. The one that we love who is ever before us, he seals upon our heart. And Father, as we listen to your word and our hearts are open to receive of you, we ask that, Lord, you do the inworking of grace. Transform our lives. Let us conform to your will and purposes for our lives. Flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and bearing fruits in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We ask that, Father, we all with an unveiled face as we behold us in the glass, the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by your spirit. Do a new work in our lives. Let us live here with a burden, with a hunger for you to do your word. We thank you, Father, that our ways and your ways are in alignment. Our thoughts and your thoughts are in alignment. Our actions and your actions are in alignment. And that our relationship with you will be deepened today. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated in heavenly places. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're not here. Hallelujah. Are you excited to be here? Glory to God. Now, um, we began a series which we've been doing for about four months now. We titled it The Ten Pillars of a Disciple's Growth. Remember, this year is a year of discipleship and prayer. So as part of the journey, we've been looking at the ten pillars of a disciple's growth. And we have come to realize that uh, believers do not just grow. There are pillars that secures the strength or the force of that growth. Are you following me? We began to give some few of them. I think we've done more than 80% of it, right? We said the first pillar, I always want to do a recap. We said the first pillar is obedience-based word mastery. That means there is no growth in the life of a believer who makes no time for the word of God in obedience and practice. Hallelujah. Meaning that God intends that we become word practitioners. Hallelujah. Number two is prayer, fasting, and solitude. Prayer, fasting, and solitude. Number three, we said it is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Number four, what? Holiness, right living, and what? Christ-likeness. Number five is what? Evangelism, soul winning, and discipleship making. Good. And then number six? 
love and Christian fellowship. Interesting. You guys are awesome. Number seven. Facing life challenge is also a pillar. Number eight. Spiritual warfare. Interesting. Number nine. Christian stewardship. Glory to God. Now like we looked at uh, Christian stewardship, we began to uh, look at the principles of stewardship. Basically, we said that uh, Christian stewardship is actually knowing how to manage and utilize um, the things that God gives to us. And I'm sure many people are wondering, how can Christian stewardship be um, a pillar of growth? Listen, if the only thing you know about spiritual growth is fasting and prayer you lose a lot because you can be fasting and praying you are evil are you getting what i'm saying so it's not only fasting and pray that's how come we we we, we are giving you 10 of them so you understand and align yourself are we here so now when it came to uh, christian stewardship we began to look at five main areas that every Christian needs to be a good steward in, right? What was number one? Stewardship of, of time. Number two, stewardship of, of? Of your body. Stewardship of your body. Knowing how to manage. To be a good steward of your body. How to handle your body. Because your body is not for you. We came to understand that part. Uh, one of the principles of stewardship is that God is the sole owner. Your money, time, resources, God owns it. So you don't own anything. It's a Christian philosophy. We are supposed to be managers of it. And the danger about the principles of stewardship is first of all we, we got to understand that God is a sole owner right that's this uh, principle of what ownership secondly principle of what of responsibility that means you're supposed to be good uh, uh, stewards by being responsible with the things that God gives to us number three is the principle of what accountability that means we will give an account to God of what we did with the areas that we're supposed to be good stewards in number four is what principle of rewards that means you're going to be rewarded for how you handled what god gave to you so listen to me the moment you got born again your body became a gift god gave to you and he's expecting that you manage what you do with your body well hallelujah now so we said uh stewardship of time number two stewardship of your body number three stewardship of of money we have explained some principles about how to handle money. Many Christians have no honor when it comes to money. They just receive money. It, it, uh, to, it, money is a spirit. Tell someone for me. Tell the person money is a spirit. So that physical currency that you see, you know, that money you see, the green note, the red note you see, there is a spirit, I'm telling you. It's either you're owning money or money is owning you. So, we also need to understand that money is also blood. Money is blood. That's why money is life. Oh. <laughs> you don't know this thing. 
So the Bible tells us that where your treasure is there, what? Your heart will be there. That means your life will be there. Take a mouse wallet and see his behavior. See what's matter. Now imagine you work for. Now imagine you give um, an offering to God. The reason why God can use something physical like that and be pleased by it is not because it was a paper note. It was because it was, blood was involved. You can imagine you work for 21 days. That work was sweat. And sweat is blood. So listen to me. Out of that 21 days work you did, the money you received, if you're able to give it to him, it's your life you're giving to him. There's a spirit about this thing called money. Are you getting this thing at all? So, to God, you, it was a paper you gave to him, but to him it was blood. It was sacrifice. So we said there are three things you need to know about stewardship of money. You pay who first? You pay God first with money you receive. Number two, you pay yourself. That's savings and spendings. Number three, you do what? You pay others. And when we come to the fourth stewardship, what's that? Stewardship of talent, gifts, callings, and what? A spiritual gift, yeah. We, did, we dealt with that. Now listen. The final one which we are on is the stewardship of relationships. And you'll be wondering, what has stewardship of relationships got to do with my growth as a disciple? I mean, you guys should know by now. about how to be a good steward of relationship. Many are not good stewards. They are just emotional people. So many have lost certain relationships that God brought into their lives to shape them. And please hear what I'm going to teach you because it will shape your life for the future. We explain the first principle of relationship. Remember in the book of Genesis chapter 2, God said to man when man was alone in the garden that it is not good for man to be alone. That means the first principle of relationship is that you are not created to walk alone. Hmm. I will make unto him and what help meet for him so i said hidden in every relationship is help you have a relationship with me as a pastor hidden in that relationship is me helping you to grow you have a relationship with me as heavenians or as christians under my leadership your help to me is your presence, your time, and your giving so we can advance God's kingdom. Are we getting that? So hidden in every relationship is help. So listen to me. See every relationship as help behind it. Advice is help. Counsel in a relationship is help. Money in a relationship is help. Please, are we getting this thing? So hidden behind every relationship is help help marital relationship 
help. Business relationship, help. Are we getting this thing? And we said that in the book of Matthew chapter 22, the verse 36, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest, re- what's, the, what's the greatest commandment of all time? And guess what? To Jesus Christ, the greatest commandment has got to do with relationships. Imagine. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's relationship with God. The next two verses, he says, love your neighbor. Love for another man. So to God, the greatest relationship is human relationship. Or generally, relationships. Can you imagine? So we don't trivialize relationship. We don't take relationships for granted. Don't mess up with relationships because we will get to know that our future is based on the relationships you are in now. That is why we must be very good stewards of relationships. Are we following here with me? So we explain that the Bible is a book of relationships. The Bible says that God said, Matthew, sorry, Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us, let us, let us. That means God was not alone in the creation process. There was the, there was the Father, there was the Word, there was the Spirit. The Father conceived the plan and spoke the plan as the Son, the Word of God. And the Holy Ghost designed it by His power. So there was a relationship that brought or birth creation. That tells us even Trinity, even God does not walk alone. How come you are alone? And the end result of the relationship among the Godhead was to birth man to have a relationship with him. And guess what? When man committed high treason and man fell, he lost relationship with God, right? Guess what happened? Few chapters later, the Bible says the whole earth was filled with evil because men were wicked towards one another. Guess what? Guess what? After man's relationship with God was affected, man's relationship with man was affected. Do you know what that means? In the restoration plan of God, he's saying that the purpose of restoring you through Jesus Christ is to restore relationship with men. So listen to me. You become a good steward when on account of the relationship you have with Jesus which has been restored you now begin to repair relationships amongst others. So that is how come God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. You get this thing? That's what the Bible tells us to love one another. In fact, when you read about spiritual warfare, you get to know the Bible begins in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now he says, I'm not your father and your mother. This is the first commandment. We promise that it shall be well with you. He says, fathers, provoke not your children. In fact, Ephesians 5 from the verse 21 down to 30, he says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. So we see husband and wife relationship. We see father and son relationship. We see 
as you move further in Ephesians 6, you're going to see employees and workers relationship. Now you're going to see children and parents relationship. Then in Ephesians chapter 6, the verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Next one. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities. He's saying spiritual warfare is mainly against relationships. You're getting something here. That's why Satan hates marriage. Because marriage is the best explanation of Christ and the church and his union. Satan hates relationship. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He hates it. So guess what? Have you realized that the plan of Satan is to destroy relationships? Now check it. Destroy relations between father and mother, children and father, husband and wife, employee and their bosses, and bosses against employees. Have you realized there are a lot of fights in offices? Haven't you realized that? Most of them are stirred up by demons. So listen to me. The main agenda of the kingdom of darkness is to destroy relationship. Now this is a very important thing. So, Satan's key idea is to destroy your relationship with God and your relationship with others. So, you can find married couples who can fight. You find spiritual brothers who can fight all of a sudden and lose it. Why? When Lot separated from Abraham, then he realized that the covenant was made with Abraham and not him. So, what happened? Lot lost everything. Listen, there are some people God connected to you are going to be with them forever. If you lose them, you lose everything. And these are serious stuff you need to understand if we want to fully accomplish God's purposes for our lives. Hallelujah. We began to look at stewardship of various relationships. We said number one, Maybe you can put this down. It came by inspiration. It came by inspiration. Are you ready? The key destroyer of relationship is pride. <laughs> the key destroyer of relationships is what? Pride. When the gospel is preached to a man and he says that, I mean, God loves you. He sent Jesus to come die for you. He said, I mean, enough of that shit. I don't need Jesus. Get out of my side. You are proud. And what happens is that you have confirmed the destructiveness of your relationship with God. It's the same with relationship with man. You've done something wrong. Say sorry. He said no. When I say sorry, I will look small. And today, just because of sorry, some people have never spoken for the past 10 years. Sorry. Tell somebody sorry. Thank you. And uh, you know, people think this, this, some of these things are table manners. You know, when you read some of these, uh, they say, sorry and thank you. There are things, listen, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. If you are someone who doesn't know how to say thank you, eh, you will lose a lot of relationships. If you are somebody who doesn't know how to say sorry, you will lose certain relationships. The, all this I'm talking about, 
honoring people. There are protocols of honor. You must honor relationships. The second killer of relationships, I'm saying this by inspiration, it's coming from my spirit, is familiarity. The third killer of relationship, are you ready for this? Is lack of servicing. Many don't know that they have to service their relationships. A married man is supposed to one day call the wife and said, baby, is there anything I'm doing that I don't like? We call that servicing. I learned that from Prophet Nanapokusa Akwadiye. He said that two killers of marriage uh, is just two. Two main things destroy marriage. Sex and money. It, it may seem very simple, but it's true. Sex and money. That's all. I'm tired. I can't do it. He says, hey, you can't be tired. You are tired, but I'm in the mood. Eh? Why? I'm on fire, boy. And second is money. Money. Check, check is money. There are, there are all the plenty talking. Just spread 10,000 Ghana cities. Everything will be, everything will be over. I'm telling all the plenty. You don't care. You don't care. When you give 10,000, the person will not complain about care. Care? When there's 10,000? No. I'm telling you. A lot of fights is just because of money. May God give you money. Yes. <laughs> hey, yes, So, so what are the three killers of relationships? Number one is pride. Be careful. Number two is familiarity. Number three is lack of service. Service the relationship. So before you enter the marriage, you should be able to ask that. Is there something I'm doing you don't like? Eh? So tonight you go and ask him. Tonight you go and ask her, is there something I've done wrong that you don't like? Huh? You'll be shocked. Meanwhile, you've been dating for about two years, so you didn't know. You get run down. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Initially, the person will say that, oh, there's nothing. It's fine. We are fine. So, no, push. Push further. Once you're here, it's fine. It's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Tell somebody it's not fine. You hear shocking revelations. Last year, 2014, this and this and this is what it is. I was quiet. I didn't want to tell you, but it's, it's good you have raised it. <laughs> they will give you date, time, and venue. <laughs> it's the same with relationships, which is not even marriage-based. There are people you may have hurt without you knowing. And they are walking, and they are laughing, because they just don't want to, but they are hurt. And if the Holy Ghost helps you to discern, go and ask them. They'll shock you. Do you know that when something tempers in a relation between you and somebody, you can feel it? Quickly act. Go to the person. I've realized that. What, is everything okay? I'm telling you. We call it servicing. 
You know the way you service your car? With oil. Eh? Oil. And filter. Because you see, if you don't service your car and your car breaks down, it's more expensive to replace than to service. So if you are buying a new engine eh, in Toyota Echo, it is 4,000 Ghana cities. If you are doing servicing in that same Echo, it's 600 Ghana cities. Choose your choice. <laughs> there are a lot of serious divorce cases today. If they did servicing, it wouldn't have arrived there. Now they have to replace their wife or their husband. The Holy Ghost is talking to you. Am I teaching good? I know the Holy Ghost has spoken to someone today. So now, we said we give about five stewards, uh, stewardship of various areas of relationships, right? Okay, so when I was seated here, the Holy Ghost gave me one more. So, number one, we said, now I'm going to, I actually had to rearrange them again. So, I know you've written some notes there, but I'm going to rearrange them. You don't have to put it down. I'm, I'm rearranging them. Number one is what we call the Godward relationships. Godward what? Relationships. Now, this is your relationship with God. It's your relationship with God. Now, please follow what I'm teaching you. Your relationship with God is the key foundation to all other relationships. It was because Adam was not in communion with God that the devil became a third person that destroyed their marriage union. So if you are a married couple and you don't pray together, you are saying Satan should come in. If you are a married couple and both of you don't have a personal relationship with God, there is chaos. Because when both of you have a personal relationship with God, when you mess up, the Holy Ghost talks to you. When the other party messes up, the Holy Ghost talks to you and there is synergy. That's why it's good for a believer to marry a believer. If you're a believer and you marry an unbeliever, there's a problem because you hear God, he doesn't. God said we should sow this seed. He said, no, we have to buy pizza. Please, marry a believer. The level of spirituality it takes to manage an unbeliever is too much. <laughs> this is a mystery. I said, the level of what? Spirituality takes fast, 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 Look, he says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The first name given to him is what? Unbeliever. He's called an what? Unbeliever. For what fellowship? What? Has righteousness with unrighteousness. Number one, the second name is what? Unrighteousness. His name is called unrighteous. Papa unrighteous. So don't expect anything good. If you see anything good, it's a surprise. 
That means Adam has given him an allowance. Okay, let's continue. And what communion has what? Light with. So that means another name is what? Darkness. Mikhail. Sabia, when you say you are falling in love, you love well. You, in fact, you fall well. <laughs> because there are some places we don't fall. He's what? Darkness. He's not just in darkness. Oh. He's what? Darkness. There's a difference between you, be, you being in the light and you being the light of the world. That's the difference. You, this is a light. Eh? When we are here, we are in the light. If you are the light, that means you are the bulb. You are the bulb shining. That's when you are the light. Right now, we are in the light. When the Bible says we are light, that means we are the bulb shining. Are you getting this thing? So the Bible is telling us that unbeliever is not only in darkness. He is darkness. He is the darkness shining darkness. <laughs> hey! I'm in love. In love, in love with who? Walasan. He says, man, no, but there's nothing wrong with it. No, no. There's nothing wrong with it. Yes. There's nothing wrong with it. Man, no, we are just two people who just love each other. Wow. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's proceed. Look at the next thing. What concord has Christ with what? Belia. <laughs> Give me NLT. What is Belia? Why? What harmony can there be between Christ and? <laughs> I, I didn't say, in case you're offended with what I said, if, if, you, are, if you are dating an unbeliever, Now, let me just help you with the equation. God gives birth to. God gives birth to. God gives birth to. Devil gives birth to. Let's go into the last uh, nickname. How can a believer be with a, a partner with an unbeliever? Back to that name again. So these are about four names the Bible calls an unbeliever. So he wants you to know before you marry the person. So that means you must <laughs> you must shine well in the house to remove the darkness. You must be more Christ-like to remove the idol. Are you getting that? Someone says, oh, when I get married, I'll change him. Before marriage, you couldn't change him. Someone says, even Christian brothers cry a bread. <laughs> Christian brothers cry a one. Let's proceed. Are we getting something here? 
So my relationship, now look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. The, the Bible is going to teach us protocols on being a steward of marriage relationship. Now the Bible says in Ephesians 5 21, it says furthermore, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Now, it says submitting yourselves one to, oh, the verse 22. Look, so this is the protocol of being a, a good steward of marriage. He says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own, your own, your own husbands as unto the Lord. That means the way you give reverence to Jesus Christ in his invisibility. Give it to your husband in his visibility. Marriage, tell somebody marriage is hard work. So before you say I do, like the Kamalin family is about to begin. <laughs> Before you say I do, you have to count the cost. So me, when, when it comes to submission, no guy takes my ride. I know who I am. Next verse, let's go. So, so, so a wife's expression of love to the husband is what? submission listen <laughs> if you want to say my husband I love you it's not you saying it it is you submitting to his authority as head now mind you I didn't say relationship because if you don't take it someone say because did you hear what pastor said Someone will call, maybe your guy or your girl is not here. You can say, I have a message to send to you. <laughs> Let me just correct that. Because I, I've seen somebody who, who went to tell the girlfriend that you have to submit to me. That's how you train. Train yourself before we get married. No, it only happens in marriage. In dating stage, we all respect one another. But when we enter marriage, the whole, the whole thing changes. It changes. It becomes submission, not subjection. There's a difference. Subjection is slavery. Submission is honor. I'm teaching good. This thing, I'll save you. These are things some people can't say. Me, I can't say because I prayed. For the husband is the head of, not even the head of the house. He's the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, he compared headship to that of Christ. Now, I'm sure some man is just happy. Yeah, tell her, tell her, tell them, tell them. Yanko. He says, and he is the what? Savior of the body. In case you are thinking you are head, think of salvation. Whatever you do must save your wife. You want more? Let's go. Move. Move. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to what? Their own husband. So, we the church, eh, we are subjected to Christ. That means we yield to Christ's authority. He's saying the wives must do same to their husbands. I said, if you want to impose something in the house, you must suggest, you must not impose. 
And if your husband gives you the chance to speak about something or take a final authority in something, it is a privilege. If you don't understand this thing this way, you will not survive in marriage. I'm telling you. I'm teaching you protocols on how to be a good steward of relationship. Now, look at the next verse. Now, now, come back. Come back to 24. Look, he says, so let the wives be to their own husband in what? In everything. Ha! Next verse. Look, look. He says, husbands, he's coming to you now. What did he say? Love. That means men have loving problems. When they are dating, they are the best lovers. After marriage, they are the worst lovers. It becomes, love becomes a problem for the man. So he's giving you a command. He says, husband, love your wife. Isn't it amazing? Apostle Paul was not married. How did he catch this revelation? So, you know, someone rebuked someone says, uh, said that, uh, how many years have you been married to, to tell us about marriage? The one who instructed us about marriage did not marry. But he, he used his marriage relationship with Christ to teach you. <laughs> hey. So he's telling us that if you understand your marriage relationship between you and Christ, you can understand marriage. Because they're same. What we are doing here is only a pattern of the real. In fact, your wife will not be your wife in heaven. She'll be your brother in Christ. Until Obaye Bibia Yenisisiya. He didn't get this one is revelation for a few, a few chosen people. <laughs> this revelation. Then please rise up and come. Then you go to heaven, you see your wife, and say, Hey baby, hey! Angel has a muscle. You had your chance. Where me and I check, it's okay. There are protocols here. <laughs> no. We are holy to the Lord. We are all, the angels have been crying holy, holy, 6,000 years. We all cry. Angel Michael say, hey, come and join us. We are crying. <laughs> we have been crying. Oh, where your daughter? Where this? Uh, baby, come and cry. Holy. <laughs> Tell somebody holy. Who <laughs> all cry some. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved what? The church and did what? Gave himself. He's telling you the description of love. Love is not flowers, love is not KFC. Those ones are just byproducts of love. But real love is giving up yourself. It is talking about sacrifice. So your demonstration of love to your wife is in you laying down something for her. It's you sacrificing for your wife. That's how you love her. Look at the next verse. He says that he might what? Sanctify. That means if your wife is not looking good, you don't love her. 
you must help your wife to know Jesus. You must help your wife to become holy. He says, that I might sanctify and cleanse it with what? Washing of what? Water by the word. Ah! He's telling the way you cleanse and sanctify your wife is by the words you speak to her. There are some people who have defiled their wife by their words. You useless woman. Nothing good will come out of you. Do you know what you are doing? You are defiling her. Because Christ never says that about his church. They are messed up by says you are holy. That's what I made you. Your wife may mess up. He's saying that be careful about the words you use when she messes up. Sanctify and cleanse her by the washing. Let your words rinse her. <laughs> I'm teaching good here. Look at the next verse. Look, he says that he might present it to himself a glorious earth. That means in heaven you present your wife by what you did to her at the end. Whatever you did to her, you will present her. So if you present a broken wife, a spiritless wife, a wife who is bitter about you, the Bible says you present her not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, it's amazing. You see, whatever you give to a woman, she multiplies it. Give her sperm, she'll give you a child. Give her a house, she'll give you a home. Give her money, she'll give you foodstuffs. Give her trouble, she'll give you wahala. So listen to me. Check your wife's current behavior. <laughs> eh? Or, for the better of the doubt, your current girl. <laughs> Check your behavior. You are the major cause. You are the major cause. I remember sometimes ago when I was dating my wife. Oh my goodness. Jealousy me. I was immature. She was my first lover and my last lover at the same time. <laughs> she broke my virginity. Now, you need to understand something. I was so immature and overprotective and jealous in the initial stages. My goodness. It wasn't good. She can't talk to any guy. No, no, no. You dare not. Yeah. She, she can't talk to any guy. Why? <laughs> oh, you don't know this thing. I was madly in love. So I didn't want it to be around. Hey! Then you, uh, the, a car stops and asks, Hi. Hi, why are you? you? <laughs> and you see. <laughs> who are you and what are you? Uh, you see, sometimes we men to her, who needs she, no be or she, not being a wife. That's why I don't know. I don't know. I car. So those who have car, when they can say, who is that? This foolish boy. <laughs> it was all poverty mentality. 
And in as much as you're supposed to protect her, you, you have to do it very well and maturely. And you have to learn to trust her. I didn't know. She'll be, she, she went, uh, she did some course in um, Kumase. I think Kumase Polytechnic also for some time. She has to call me the moment she comes from lectures. She tells me the time that she closes. That, when that time is up, I'll call her, where are you? <laughs> Let me talk to you whilst you are walking home. That was me. That is the Glapapu and I enjoyed. That was me. Immature. When I'm talking to her, she can't sleep. You, you don't have to sleep. I'll be angry that she's sleeping. <laughs> no, it's a serious matter. Ha! And you, you, know, you know how my wife is beautiful. Everywhere she'll go, somebody will say, say, my heart. My heart, I couldn't stand it. I'll be fighting here. I'll be like... I was immature and overprotective and jealous at the same time. One time, eh, the roommate called me and said, Isaac, why? She's crying here. Please give her a break, okay? And I'm coming to you, break it, <laughs> I was not being repentant. I said, my man, now I found home, who introduced you to me? Who are you? Get out. Protective, close marking. She can't. Hey. Huh. One time they said a doctor wanted to come and marry her. What I did? Oh my goodness! Because me, me, doctor. What I'll do is that I'll spot the doctor. I said these people, they are very wicked people. Doctors, they cheat, Papa. Doctors, they are never faithful. These people, they'll treat you like. Hey, when you feel, don't mind him. He's a foolish man. Oh, until one day she had it. And he said, She calls me Ike. He said, Ike, I don't want this thing again. I said, ah. <laughs> We are just starting, you know, I don't understand. What's, <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> and I asked her three times just to intimidate and scare her. No, just look at my face and tell me. I remember that time we have gone to chicken in or something. Look, no, just look at my face and tell me. She said, I don't want it. She couldn't do it. I said, no, say it again for the last time. Just to scare her. She said, I don't want it. All right, let's go. <laughs> and I came home. I broke your heart. <laughs> broke your heart. Broke your heart in your way. <laughs> Just thank your God. Broken heart. You don't know this thing. Broken heart. Makes me a wobble. Malaria. Loss of appetite. Loss of eyesight. The beer. Everything mixed up. So it was. We separated for four months. It was out of the four months that I learned sense. I'm telling you. 
and I became a better person. To, from that time to now, the value is never saved. So this is a free advice to anybody who is insecure. You have to trust the person. So he's telling us that, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any certain, but that it should be what? Holy and without blemish. Now come to the next verse. He says, so ought men to love their wives as what? Their own bodies. Hey! The way you love yourself, that means every clothes you buy for yourself, buy some for your wife. Um, let's continue, please. <laughs> you know, I'm so lucky and so blessed at the same time because my wife is a fashion designer. Intimate Tokra and when you ask him, I'm not fabric, no. I'm a bit He that loveth his wife, what? Hey, this verse broke me. If you don't love your wife by laying down your life for her, you don't love her. And you don't love yourself. You see a lot of errors a lot of men are committing. Look at the next verse. He says, For no man ever hated his own flesh, but what? Nourish it and cherish it. He's telling you to nourish and cherish your wife. Even as the Lord, the church. So you see, to be the head of the house, eh, it's not the size of your manhood. <laughs> it's the size of your sacrifices. It's a serious matter. So if you think your manhood is big, so you find your wife, your wife is working like this. So you're a killer. <laughs> you are not a killer. <laughs> Hey, Jimmy, now Jimmy. Someone said, For me, when I, I'm on top, I just go one hour 20 minutes. I said, Really? <laughs> one hour 20 minutes? Is your wife still alive? <laughs> hey. So that's the man who do. So, there are people who annoy their wives, make, make them sad, and they still want good sex. It's not possible. How can you do that? Please, are we getting this thing? Now, he says for, okay, come to the, uh, verse 30. He says for, okay, so that's, so the Bible is giving us protocols. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 13, the verse 4. It also gives us some truths there. Hebrews 13, 4. He says, marriage is what? Honorable in all. And the bed undefiled. But homongous and adulterous, God will judge. That means God will judge every man who commits adultery or every man who commits, adult, uh, who commits adultery outside of marriage. There's a special judgment for you. This is New Testament. For cheating on your wife, special judgment. For cheating on your husband, special judgment. He's saying that the bed must be undefiled. That means once either you bring another woman to your matrimonial home or you go to another woman and have sexual affair with her, he said you have brought defilement. Listen. Listen. 
There are protocols in the spirit. Eh? There are people who welcome demons into their family and into their children and into their marriage the day they slept with another woman outside of marriage. And people don't know that in, in sex there are legalities. One man of God said, if you sleep with a lady in her menses, you have committed a very serious illegality in the spirit. Because anything that has got to do with blood is a covenant. And unfortunately, that blood was dirty. He said the illegality in the spirit is extremely dangerous as death. And many don't know. They said I was in a mood. Listen, if you don't learn to control yourself as a man, I am telling you, you bring calamity to the rest of your generation. I'm telling you. And that was just by the way. Legalities. Number two. The first one was what? Global relationship. And we spoke about the second one. Oh, the global relationship, I didn't finish. How come we went there? Because remember I said that the global relationship is the foundation for other relationships, right? That was why I stopped. I was, I was supposed to continue. I don't know how this came about. Let me finish with that one. Now look at James chapter 4, the verse 8. Now listen to me. Your relationship with God is actually the foundation. If you don't have a relationship with God, it is easy for you to destroy every other relationship. That means you need to be spiritual to maintain relationships. Because sometimes the people who will be around you will be carnal. So if you are not spiritual, you will be as petty as they are. There are people who tell you it's over, but they don't mean it. They don't mean it is over. It was out of the pain they said that. So if you are not spiritual, the person says it's over. He said it's over. Go, go. You will destroy something that you may never be able to recover again. And listen to me, please don't try divorce. The damage is deep, except extremely necessary. For example, if your husband is beating you, get out of the marriage. Get out. I'm telling you. Get out. But let me tell you, if for no reason, like a married couple divorced because of toothpaste, a married couple divorced because the man said, so baby, what if, if I cheat on you, will you forgive me? And the wife said, how can you even imagine this in the first place? I'm telling you something serious. How can you imagine this? Why would you even say that to me? Why do you have plans of cheating on me? Why are you asking me that? That was the end. Divorce. Divorce. Just because of one question. That one is not good. And listen, when you are married to somebody, it's like you are one. When you divorce, you, you rip both of you apart. That means there is part of you in the person and there is part of the person in you and you go apart. You will carry that pain for the rest of your life. Am I teaching somebody something here? 
So now watch this. He says, he's speaking about your relationship with God. Listen, when you deepen your relationship with God, eh, it, it is for your own good. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, the verse 7, he says, bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is what? Profitable unto all things. He says, but refuse profane and all right fables. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profit a little. But godliness, spirituality is profitable unto how many things? Oh, it will, it will save your marriage. It will save your lifestyle. It will save your character. It will change you at work. It will influence everything about your life. He says, having a promise of the life that now is and which is to come. That means godliness. We being spiritual people affects us in time and in eternity. So if you're somebody who doesn't take your quiet time serious, your personal relationship, your personal prayer life, you don't take it serious, you are out of the game. You can't survive in any relationship. I'm telling you, if Satan's plan is to attack relationships, marriage relationships, parental relationships, and you are not spiritual, your son will provoke you. If you are not spiritual, you are going to mess up the relationship. I'm teaching good here. So a lot of messed up relationship was as a result of non-spirituality. Two people fight because of Tom Tom. No, just think about it. Now, you see, some of these things are very serious. Deepen your work with God, it will affect everything about your life. Am I helping you? Please don't focus on the rain. Now, back to James chapter 4, the verse 8. Are you here with me at all? You are learning something? Please, are you sure? All right. He says, draw now to God and who draw now to you. Now, this is the first foundation of relationship. Your relationship with God must be initiated by you. And you have to build that relationship. You remember in the Old Testament, you hear of the saints. The Bible says, Isaac built an altar. Jacob built an altar. Anytime a person builds an altar, it's a relationship. Are you following this thing? Jacob's altar was called Bethel, right? House of God. He's talking about a relationship he has with God. Anybody you have you heard building an altar was actually speaking of relationship. Are we getting this thing? So now, what is it telling us? They had to bring the stone, put the stone together. That means they made the effort to build it. It's also speaking about we building a spiritual work with God deliberately. When you are building an altar, you go for the stone. God does not command the stones. You bring the stone. The sacrifices are done by you. The worship is done by you. Likewise, in building relationship with God, we are to draw near. We initiate it. You must take your Bible. You must pray. You must decide to build it. Then God begins to give you grace to sustain it. Are we following this thing? So that's the first relationship you must be a good steward. Anybody who doesn't know how to do his quiet time, pray, read the Bible, worship God privately. That person is a bad steward of relationship. Are we getting this thing? Now, look at the next verse. I'm going to help you with this. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Mark 3, 14. Oh, this, this teaching is good though. Please go back for the teaching, okay? 
Now, he says, he and he, Jesus, ordained twelve that they should what? Be with him and that he might send them for to preach. Look at the next verse. He says, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Now, which one came first? Being with him, followed by preaching, power, and miracles, and healing, and casting out devils. He's telling us that we were not called first to preach. We were not called first to work miracles. We were not called first to have power. We were called first to be with Jesus. Yeah, close the curtain so that those who, who, who are easily distracted will be saved. We are called first to you're not here with me, you're not here. We are called first to be with Jesus. So our first calling is not preaching. One great man said that I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. If you love preaching more than praying, you are going nowhere. When I began taking my prayer life very serious, preaching appointments have become a burden for me. I'm telling you the truth. I love to pray than to preach. I'm telling you, I love to be with Jesus. Let's get some view ones, you know. Um, Job chapter 22, the verse 21 to 30 is a long read. It's a long read, but we, we are still doing, uh, this is a lecture, you're here, so we, we, got, we, are, we got to do it together. Now, this is a very interesting verse. Please pay attention here. Pay attention here. Don't be distracted. In fact, speak in tongues for the next 30 seconds. Just pray. I, I sense distraction in the air. Just pray in the spirit. Come on. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Father. Come on. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. I bless your name for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we proceed? Right, let's do this in five, ten minutes, then we are out. Now, look, he says something interesting. Now, KJV, give me... No, 21. 21. Now, look, the Bible is teaching us something. Now, can we read together? I'm going to read together with you loudly. One, two, go. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. And thereby good shall come unto thee. This is serious. He's telling us that any Christian that wants to experience peace must learn to acquaint with him first. Peace is not something we look for. It's something that happens to us when we look for God. So there is peace in acquainting with God. Submit to him. Be one with him. Be close to Jesus. He says acquaint. Now another version says give in to God and come to terms with him and everything will turn out just fine. Tell somebody fine. So listen, all the things you are worrying about, just give him the chance. Everything will be fine. BBF. So, you see, many Christians are worried. He has this, how's my vision going to be? How's it? Hey, hey, this wedding, how am I going to sponsor the wedding? Just acquaint yourself to the Lord. Everything shall be 
Five. So the problem we have is acquaintance problem. It doesn't end there. He still gives us more to learn. Now, he says that receive, I pray thee, the Lord from his mouth. I'm talking of spirituality, relationship with God. And lay up his words in, you are not here, in thine heart. If thou shalt return to the, are you here? Ah, are you here? If you think when you do that, I'll, I'll stop preaching. I won't stop. Oh. No, no, I don't know how to do that. So if you think, oh, I, I, they are absent minded, so I will still preach. Sala here. Because some of you only see here on Sunday. On Bible study. On prayer meeting. It's a we. my shoulder to open my light of crap. You be a circle. Me a preachy woman. Let's move. Now, he says, if thou what? Return. He's saying there are some people who have neglected God. Return. Return. Tell someone, return. To the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Go back to God. Let him build you. What next? Thou shalt put away what? Iniquity far from thy tabernacle. Look, he's telling us some things here. What next? What? Then thou shalt what? Lay up gold as dust and the gold of offer as the stones of the brooks. Now, I'm sure most of you are thinking that God is going to lay up stones as dust for you. Now, look at message translation. You understand what he's trying to say? He says, relax your grip on your money and abandon your gold-plated luxury. What he's saying is that if you allow God instead of money, that's what he's saying. Give that to me in um, NLT. Do you understand it? There. Look, if you give up your last for money, that's what the Bible is saying. And throw your precious gold into the river. That means the things you value as precious, sacrifice it for God. So it's not saying he will lay up gold as dust and give you that gold. Or gold dust. Are you following this thing? Now, look at the verse 25. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have what? Plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have thy, thy delight in the Almighty, and shall what? Lift up thy face to God. Thou shalt make thy what? Prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou, thou shalt what? Pay thy vows. Now, this is the verse a lot of Christians have been quoting. Today, I want to correct you. Be careful when you're quoting that verse. Because Let's get to the next verse. One, two, go. Thou shalt decree a thing. I'm sure you've been saying that. Here, man of God. Thou shalt decree a thing. It shall be established. It is not everybody who decrees and is established. The first foundation is acquainted. Decrees don't work in the lives of people who, who have destroyed their altars. Who are far away from Jesus. You go and mess up, say, hey, I decree in the name of Jesus, there shall be no rain. It's so bad. And it shall be what? Established. Right? Let's move. He says, 
and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Now, next one. That one, you love it, right? He says what? Who is asking? When men shall say there's what? Casting down. Thou shall say what? It's a lifting up. It's not for everybody. We don't normally love reading the Bible in context. Listen, spirituality will benefit you. It will give you something that no one can give you. So that I shall decree a thing, it shall be established. It doesn't work for everybody. It's not everybody who decrees and is established. He's saying, first of all, acquaint thyself to the Lord. Give up everything for him first. Flee away from iniquity. That's what he says. And you shall decree. He says, when men are saying there's a casting down, you shall say what? There's a lifting up. So your relationship with God is paramount. Are we following this thing at all? Good. Now, so we have already explained number two, right? Which is what? Marital relationship. Number three... Is parental relationship. Ephesians chapter 6, the verse 1. All right, so are we ready? Let's read together. One, two, go. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Now, this is, I told you last week that when you were a child, he says, obey your parents. When you grow up, he's saying what? Honor them. You, don't, you are not supposed to obey them when you are full age in everything. Of course, they can advise you, you can obey, but they can't take final decisions for you. But you must what? Honor thy father and thy mother. That what? That's which is the first commandment promise? The next verse, the verse 3. It says that it may what? Be well with thee and thou mayest what? Live long on earth. This is one of the ten commandments. Eh? Which is still in the New Testament. That thou mayest live long on earth. Do you know? That if you send money to honor your parents at the end of the month, you actually got a long life. Do you understand this thing? If you honor them, he says it will be well with you. There are some of you, it's not well with you because of this reason. Well, as it's raining, I mean, that means nobody will go home. Can we have some three hours more? The way some people are just watching my face, me now, it's like even the two minutes you have Christ up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, the same verse is in Colossians chapter 3, the verse 20. Now, watch that. Colossians 3 20. Now, he says, Children, obey your parents in what? All things, for this is well pleasing unto God. Then, it tells the parent also to do something in the next verse. He says, fathers, what? You know, some people on account of children obey, when you, when probably the child is about 17 years old, you realize the person is, especially if he's a man, there's a, there's a, there's a dimension, the relationship must change. 
This is a free advice. The relationship when the person is a child is different from the relationship when the person is growing. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So, if you shouted on him at the age of five, now he can't shout at the age of 17. Obeji blues. So, sometimes the mothers don't understand. The same child, or you not born, she, at the age of seven, two born, so and someone say, Huh? It's what she means, sir. Obabome, Bomie. Bumie, Bumi, Jimmy, Bumi. You don't understand. Things have changed now. I'm prophets are here. My messages are prophetic. I know. I could copy Bia. So you can just cut this video, send it to your mother and say, Oh, mommy, it was a mistake. I, I don't know how I sent it to you. It's just a fear. If you want to send an information to somebody, you could see a message. Send it by me. Say, oh, sorry. It's a mistake. The person will be curious to know what was the mistake. Not their share. Free advice. Hallelujah. He says, fathers, provoke not your children to what? Anger. That means because of you, your children can have righteous anger. A reason to dishonor you and they'll be right. Lest they be discouraged. You see, someone says, oh, man of God, but right now, most of the children that we have here, none of them have grown. You see, my message is, eh, you don't get this thing. A father somewhere, on, we have 32 countries listening to us. 32 countries. A father somewhere will hear me. So my message is not for, it's not just for, in this four corners. That's why I teach white. Are you following what I'm saying? All right. So, number what? Number one. Number four. Social relationships. So next week I'm going to deal with the last two. Social relationships. Now, that has got to do with employee and boss relationship. And other closely related relationships like that. Please, are you following this thing? You may get a certain link to somebody who has a lot of influence whether you're Christian or non-Christian, but you've, you've gotten somebody who has a place of influence, you've got to be very careful dealing with the person. I've seen people, a minister gave them their number and they were calling him at 11.30 p.m. You lack the mastery, you lack the skill. If you start doing that, you lose contact. The person will not mind you again. And many have ruined a lot of relations because they didn't understand this. A great man of God will give you his number. You call him 15 times and he's not picking you. I'm still calling. You, that's your end. That's your end. Because you've given him an impression that you're giving him pressure. He'll back up. Men of God don't love that thing. 15 missed calls. Tell someone like that. Called one, twice, 13, 
14, 15 times. I said, ah, you don't have the skill. There's a way I deal with my spiritual father saying, ah, they will just love you. After every conversation I have with my spiritual fathers, I send them a message and thank them for the opportunity of talking to them. Do you see why most of the relationship you have with big people never lasted? Because you don't know the protocols of handling them. Most of the time when I'm talking to my spiritual fathers, I kneel down. If I'm in a prayer, I kneel down whilst I'm talking to them. And they don't see. If you don't get this protocol, there are some relationships that some of you, you will never get them. Because you destroy it. There are some things Prophet Sarkozy has shared with me. Prophet Achumanas has shared with me. I can't share with you. I have to keep it. It's a code of ethic. Secrecy. What? Secrecy. But this is your mouth. This is your mouth. Broadcasted everywhere. I've never taken a single selfie with Professor Aguadier. I meet him, I, I go into his prayer room, we'll chat. Last time, one day we spoke for three hours. And we were joining our relationship. I say, hey, good time with Professor Sack, yeah? Daddy, Pacho, not come anymore. Daddy, Pacho, Debbie, mention her this side. Good time with my spiritual father. Daddy, Pacho, that's the end. It's not where we take selfies. Though. There are some people who are uncomfortable. You need to find out, check the atmosphere, check the climate. Because sometimes, some people want to take selfie for validation. And some of them don't like it. So, just at the end, it's the blessing that is required. It's not the selfie. There is nothing in the selfie. Am I teaching good? So, this is how some people have destroyed certain relationships. I'm telling you. So you will get some relationships eh, if you don't know how to manage them. There are some people you have to call them daddy, daddy, daddy. The, haven't you realized these Kumasi people when they are selling in town? They know you, they are older than you. They say, oh daddy, pacho, share. Daddy, daddy, pacho, share. There's a very nice way. Oh da. You buy it right now. It's a protocol of honor. A lot of Christians don't know how to honor people. We are rude to everybody. We need to bond to everybody. We don't respect anybody. You can pass by people. You won't greet them. Why? Because he's a security man. And there are some of us, we treat with, uh, relationship with partiality. If the person is wearing a nice suit, hello. If the person is not wearing a good suit or the person is badly dressed, hey, 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 hey. Don't touch me. I'm neatly dressed, please. You don't value people. Be careful. I've told you. That person who is flexing the boys around. You may collapse. And nobody will carry you. I'm telling you. One of the ministers was telling me that uh, on his way coming um, to church one the time, he saw somebody stranded in the rain and all that. Started to help her. He said, oh please, let me. The girl was looking at his face like that. Without saying anything. That means that if he says come and see in the car, that means he's about to run. Of course, I told him that eh, someone am I? Because we'll be able to come, I'm making a number. So how can people trust? 
men again. They can't trust men again. Am I teaching good here? It is good to respect people. Whether the person is born again or not born again, respect. You see, sometimes there's a respect you can show to somebody here. The person will open their heart and you preach the gospel. Are you here with me? I'm not people. Listen, I have learned never to dishonor any human being on this earth. There are some of you, you don't respect people. You respect people based on status. Never do that. Tell someone, be nice to people. Tell, tell another person, be very nice to people. So next week, we're going to continue. There are some of you, um, uh, the way you left your company wasn't well. I remember some years ago, I worked in an IT company. They didn't treat me well, and I, and I left. The, when I left there, I never showed up till today. Now, I can't be close to the guy again. I can't be close to the guy again because the way I left was not good. There are some of you out of anger. You, the protocol by which you left certain places was not good. And today, you can't go there again. And when you do that, eh, there are some relationships. Maybe you have a problem with the boss, but not with the colleagues. And one colleague can help you get somewhere. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? So listen, leave places well. Write a letter and live well so that tomorrow you can what? Come back again. Some have destroyed where they left, they've destroyed it. And they can't go back again. The church where I was, that's my, my dad's church, the branch where I was pastoring. No, I was not pastoring. I was a prophet under that ministry. I served there for about 10 years. Some few things came up and I had to leave. Now, I didn't leave because I was emotional. I left because God told me to. But there was a protocol I made sure I did before I left there. I wrote an official letter thanking them for all the training because I did not be that man of God. I would never have been where I am. Thank them. Appreciated him. Told him if there's anything I ever did to him, I want to ask for forgiveness. Humbly presented it. And I left. When I left, I received calls from people. They said, no, we'll go with you. And I told one, I don't have to see your, I don't want to see your shadow here. You can't come with me. If you use, if you break someone's church to start your church, someone will break your church to start his church. I sat four people who wanted to follow me. I told them, stay where you are. Don't come and bring me problems. And I left them. Yesterday I went for a uh, naming ceremony there. I can walk there anytime. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? So listen, be very careful about emotions. Because it can be very dangerous. Act by revelation and not by emotion. Please, are you following this thing very well? So, some of you have to go and refix some things you did in your former company. It's been five years. It doesn't matter. Call the man. Tell him that you're sorry for how you left. You're very, very sorry for it. You thought about it. It wasn't right. Am I helping somebody here prophetically at all? All right. Clap your hands for Jesus. All right, you want to pray for some few minutes. You want to pray and ask God to help you to build 
quality relationship with him and with others. Just lift your voice and pray that prayer.